Oh, hey, Rebels. I bet you're expecting to hear Ezra Levant's voice right here, but it's not him. It's me, Sheila Gunn-Reed. I'm filling in for the big boss in the big chair tonight. Tonight, we are talking about how there are still good people remaining at one of the craziest, most authoritarian ministries in all of the Canadian government. We're talking about a lone bureaucrat truth teller at Canadian Heritage. That's the censorship ministry. But Canadian Heritage also oversees Sports Canada, and that's the ministry or agency that encourages and develops minor sport in Canada. And one lone unidentified bureaucrat there produced a briefing note telling the government that allowing biological males to play in female minor sports is dangerous and unfair. That person's probably in a re-education camp right now. We're discussing that, and we are also catching up with Katie Davis Court. She's the post-millennial journalist who is working alongside our Lewis Brackpool and Lincoln Jay as they cover the Dutch farmer uprising against climate change targets in Holland. Now, I'm sure you like listening to the show, but one of the best ways to watch the show ad-free is to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our premium shows here on Rebel News. You get access to Ezra's show, my Wednesday night gun show. You also get access to David Menzies' Rebel Roundup, Andrew Chapados with Andrew Says, and the ladies from Misunderstood. It's only eight bucks a month for all that. It's really easy. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to subscribe. Thanks and enjoy the show. Tonight, the liberals were told that allowing biological males to compete against women in sports would indeed harm women and the feminist liberals. Well, they obviously ignored that advice. Then post-millennials Katie Davis-Court joins us from the Netherlands to update us on her work alongside our team there. It's July 13th, 2022. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're watching The Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. cheering for public sector bureaucrats here. I know it's weird. I'll explain it all in a second. But first, will you indulge me just a couple of minutes here? I want to show you maybe 30 seconds of one clip and then 30 seconds of another. It's actually probably even less than 30 seconds of each. But what I'm going to show you will show the stark contrast between male and female athletes playing the exact same sport. And I chose this sport because it's an extreme contact sport with no equipment. And I know a little bit about it. It's rugby. So let me set this up. The Black Ferns are the New Zealand national women's rugby team. The All Blacks, that's the men's rugby team. They are, in my opinion, and just my opinion, the two best teams in the world. Extraordinary in their own right. But that's the point. In their own right. The women are strong. These women are powerful. And boy, are they ever fast for women. Okay, so here are the Ferns in gameplay. Watch this. Goodness me, what an injection from her. And there she goes. Aisha Latinga, hurt as one. Heading for the line, taken down by Corrigan. Great defense. 
big shot on Dumont. But she still manages to get the pass. And here's Tui again. Ruby Tui down the outside, stepping back into Goody, finishes her off. From Arahiana Marina Tauhinu. And they're away again. Here's Amy Duplessis down the sideline. Has Ruby Tui. Tui steps inside. Ruby Tui now race for the line. And Tui will win it. And Tui gets a double. They're amazing, right? Now here are their male counterparts, the All Blacks, in gameplay. Look at this. Okay, nice work from Banks. Freed it away to Callaway. Ball knocked on. Here's trouble. Here's Jordan. Can't find anybody. Pops it up in the end for Havili. Havili! He'll go all the way. Ho-ho! Good start, too, for the new front row. They skirted away to Weber. And space out wide, McKenzie, and Jordan goes in. And takes it off the back, makes some good ground too. Rushing through the tackle for Nugget, Nugget, getting a nice ball away to Christie. Blackout is there in support, puts a lovely ball away to Jordy Barrett. McKenzie, he's going in for a bunch of fives. Jordan. The difference is astounding. And that's not discrediting or devaluing the accomplishments of those women. They are the best in their sport in the entire world, but they are biologically different than men. It's clear they have not gone through testosterone puberty. Their hearts and their lungs, they're just smaller. Their bones are less dense. They don't have the same ability to gain and maintain lean muscle mass. They aren't as big or as strong or as fast. It's reality. And it doesn't take away anything from what they can do when on a level playing field, and that's important here. Imagine if one of those All Blacks was suddenly now playing on a ladies' team against the Ferns. Dangerous, right? And more importantly, it's gaslighting. We can see we're not blind. And feelings, they don't undo science and biology. And it's astounding to me that some bureaucrat within Canadian Heritage, which takes care of the portfolio of Sports Canada, felt the same way as me. Bureaucrats within the Trudeau government tried to warn about the unfairness of biological males competing against biological females in sports. I know, I'm shocked too. Let me show you. It's from Blacklocks today, and it's going to blow your mind. It's a good reminder that sometimes I am highly critical of bureaucrats in government because they're supposed to be nonpartisan, but often they're just an extension of the Liberal Party of Canada that we all pay for. And then some of these people take their jobs very seriously. And when they are to give advice to the government, they give advice, real advice, good advice. The advice made perfect sense, which is why, you know, the liberals absolutely, completely disregarded it. Anyway, from the great team at Blacklocks just this morning, and I don't want to give away too much of the article because it sits behind a paywall and that's how they pay the bills over at Blacklocks. It sounds like they obtained this through access to information because when I went looking for this on the Proactive Disclosures website of the Government of Canada, I can't find the briefing note they mentioned here. So I filed for it myself this afternoon. When we get it, you better believe I'm going to publish it. Anyway, here's what Blacklocks reports this morning. Transgender men have an unfair advantage in women's competition, says a briefing note by the federal department that funds amateur sport. The Department of Canadian Heritage has sidestepped public comment on allowing biological men to compete as women. 
the most current peer-reviewed science demonstrates significant male advantage in sport amplified through and after puberty and that testosterone suppression in trans women does not mitigate the legacy effects of male puberty, said the January 19th briefing note, gender equity and transgender inclusion in sport. Public opinion research suggests a majority of Canadians believe sport organizations should find new ways to include transgender identifying athletes that preserve fairness and physical safety for all, it added. There is a growing debate in sport, primarily focused on women's elite categories, where there are safety and fairness concerns regarding the inclusion of trans women who are physiologically stronger, said the briefing note. However, trans men are both subject to anti-doping regulations in the female category and biological disadvantage in the men's. Wow. Now, none of this is to say that trans people should not participate in sports. I love minor sports. I think a lot of people do, regardless of how they choose to live their lives. But there has to be a better, more sportsmanlike way forward. And we will never come up with that better way if we keep suggesting that we must deny biological reality in the name of tolerance. We could, should, and must find a way to sort this all out for all parties, right? We put a man on the moon. Surely we can sort this one thing out. And please don't send me emails about the moon landing being a soundstage hoax. I'm just using an expression here. Now I've got to tell you, this one lone common sense bureaucrat writing this briefing note probably risked his or her career to say the right thing, to speak truth to power. He or she had to have known the mob would come for them from within their own ministry. They're probably getting an HR re-education right now. I mean, just look at what happened when bureaucrats at Sports Canada tried to reach out to the common sense side of this onerous and I think unnecessarily complicated transgenderism in sports debate when preparing a report. Because that's normally what you do, right? You try to look at all the evidence before you make a decision, but that's apparently not allowed on this one issue. Take a look at this. Sports Canada survey has been pulled after drawing a strong rebuke from over 200 athletes and researchers. Canadian high-performance athletes received a survey that asked for their opinion on the inclusion of trans women, biological males, in female categories as part of a research project funded by the Canadian government. According to an outreach email seen by Extra, the survey was commissioned by independent researcher Catherine Devine on behalf of Sport Canada, a part of the Canadian government's Department of Canadian Heritage, which works to develop all levels of sports in the country and to broaden everyone's ability to access sport. The email stated that the data from the survey may one day appear in an academic journal. This survey investigates the views of Canadian high-performance female athletes regarding both the International Olympic Committee framework and the Canadian Centre for Ethics in Sport guidance for the inclusion of trans women, biological males in female categories, the email read. Female athletes are stakeholders in this area of policy and yet their views are rarely heard. Please be assured that all responses are anonymous. Then the bullies came. Look at this. In response to the survey, LGBTQ2S Sports Advocacy Group Athlete Ally published the open letter from over 200 Canadian high-performance athletes and scholars pushing back on the survey for its, quote, transphobic language. The term biological male features in many anti-trans bills around the world that seek to limit the participation of mostly trans women in sports all the way down to the grassroots level. Opponents of trans participation in sports based on their gender identity, usually contend that trans women retain athletic advantages if they medically transitioned after puberty. 
So here's to the people fighting for the truth, fairness, and for our daughters inside of Sport Canada. We see you. We're grateful. And thanks for putting it all on the line for our girls. After the break, we're joined by Katie Davis-Court, the post-millennial journalist working with our Dutch farmer protest team. Stay with us. Right now in the Netherlands, farmers are rising up against climate change targets. Really, these things come from the World Economic Forum and actually, unfortunately, Canada through a treaty just ratified by the Dutch parliament. It's called CEDA. And what it does is it codifies the liberals in Canada, their gender nonsense, and the Paris Agreement's climate change targets into our trade agreements with the European Union, meaning that all parties have agreed to this non-binding, however they'll do it anyways, agreement where they have to put their specific industries and sectors through this lens, this climate change lens, before those exports can head into world markets. And part of that are the nitrogen targets that are potentially being imposed on Dutch farmers that could cause them to quit farming certain parts of their land and even call up to 30. And I've even seen the number as high as 40% of their livestock. Now we've got a team of journalists in Holland right now. We've got Lewis Brackpool, who is our UK reporter and Lincoln Jay. Lincoln is an expert on blue collar uprisings and convoys. You know his work from the Convoy for Freedom to Ottawa. And Lewis, you know him as the World Economic Forum expert around here. And we had to call in somebody else because I think we needed an American perspective on this. And so we called in Katie Davis Court. She works with the Post Millennial and she joins me now from a field somewhere in Holland. Hey, Katie, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me on, Sheila. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, you know what? You you might be a new uh, face to some of our viewers. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself um, and sort of the topics you focus on in your journalism? Right. So I am from the United States. I live in the state of Washington, specifically the city of Seattle. And I started independent reporting in 2018 when I realized that my city only had one perspective and our news, our local news was not telling the truth and it was only telling the democratic side. They refused to cover stories. So I started going out in the field and I started doing my own independent work. I grew a platform and then in 2020, the George Floyd riots hit. I started reporting from the field on Black Lives Matter, Antifa. It's when you guys might remember um, Antifa sieged a six block radius in Seattle and created something called a Capitol Hill autonomous zone. And so I went in undercover and I reported on that for the month that I was there. And I really grew my platform for there. And then um, I remained independent. And then after January 6th, they were purging everybody from their platforms, all conservative news reporters. So then I was very lucky that the Post Millennial it is another conservative news site, picked me up as a reporter, and I've been with them ever since. And I predominantly focus on conservative politics and um, Antifa and crime from where I live. You know, I, I think that's really interesting that you are from Seattle, because as a Canadian, when I think of all the terrible climate change ideas and people who don't understand where their food and their energy comes from, there are two places that I think of. 
uh, San Francisco, because it seems to be an incubator of all these large environmental charities with their tentacles reaching into Canada, and Seattle, where a bunch of granola people on bikes have no clue how their iPhones get charged. So I think right. uh, you you might be the perfect person for this job in Holland. Yeah, absolutely. So that's really funny that you mentioned that because my governor, his name is Jay Inslee, and he is the lead climate change guy in the United States. And he is actually trying, everything going on right now is by design. He is actively trying to get rid of our dams and our Grand Coulee Dam actually produces the most electric, it produces all the electricity for the entire West Coast. And he's trying to get rid of our dams to disrupt our electrical grid. And he's running for office and he just sent a new um, donation like campaign sheet to his supporters that said, we are in for a summer of death, destruction and darkness because of the electrical grids will be disrupted. But it's by, the, by design. He wants to get everybody onto solar energy. He wants to disrupt everything. And yeah, the Washington state and like you said, San Francisco really at ground zero in the United States. But it's funny that you say, say that because um, speaking with these Dutch farmers, they have been asking me also what it's like in the, in the U S because this is a, global issue. This is on an international scale. And I said, something that is different from the United States is we do have a federal government, but our states are really, but our um, states are run individually by our elected government for the state. So you get Republicans, they are not for climate change. You live in a democratic state, they're for climate change. So I don't know if we will see exactly what we are experiencing here in Holland right now with the national citizen uprising rising against climate change because we do have protection protections by states but it's coming and it's coming to every everywhere it seems like yeah it, it's you're you're very lucky in the united states where you do have the constitution that restrains your federal government from doing these sorts of things but for canadians we can really relate to what the Dutch are going through because I live in an allegedly conservative province and yet we have our federal government imposing climate change targets on us through carbon taxes that keep rising and emissions targets. And so um, as Canadians, we see what's happening in Holland and we say, you know, uh, how long till it's here? Our prime minister is not one to be out virtue signaled by any other leader in the world, especially someone like Mark Ruta. He'll say, oh yeah? Me too, and then some. And so it's very worrying for Canadian uh, farmers like myself in particular. Now, I wanted to ask you, um, you've been talking to a lot of the farmers. What is the one thing, the one big takeaway that you are getting from these farmers? What's the one thing they want the world to know? They, they want the world to know what's going on. They were so thankful that we are here to share their story. You know, these farmers, they are losing their livelihoods. They are losing um, their farms that they have had for generations, up to hundreds of years. But most importantly, they wanted to spread caution. They wanted the world to know what's happening in the Netherlands because it's just a matter of time before it happens to everywhere in the world. So through the World Economic Forum, that's really where everything's coming from. Now, you've been working with our team there, and our team has noticed that there are Canadian flags turning up in yeah. these protests. And I, I think it's great because, you know, when you see the 
the freedom protests in Cuba or Venezuela or Hong Kong a couple of years ago, you would see the American flags as the symbol of uh, that sort of uprising and liberty around the world. But we're seeing the Canadian ones turn up in Holland. And I think that's great. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that just goes to show how well you guys did with that trucker convoy. I think that was a beacon of hope uh, around the world for to, to give the green light for other people to start standing up to tyranny, standing up to areas that are potentially going to be under dictatorships. And I've seen Canadian flags. I ha- And you're right, I have not seen American flags. And what the Dutch are doing is they are flipping the Dutch flag um, upside down and they are tying a red bandana to the top of it, which symbolizes um, solidarity with the farmers. So you don't just see that in one area. You see that all across the Netherlands. I have yet to go to a place that hasn't had an upside down flag, a bandana. And there's polls that came out that said roughly 85% support the farmers uprising against the government. And we, in our team, we went into Amsterdam to try to find a different perspective because after speaking with the farmers, that they said that they think that the city people are out of touch. And yes, usually bad policy does come from cities. But after speaking to people inside the city, they were for the farmers. So that 85% is seems to be accurate so far. And it just goes to show that the... Uh, Dutch government is out of touch with the people and there's a different agenda going on. Yeah. You guys found, I think one crazy lady who had zero empathy for her fellow citizens who said, you know, so if they've got to lose their land, so what? Okay. But when her, you know, her avocado is a gazillion dollars in the grocery store, she's going to get mugged by reality. And I think it's also interesting that I'm sure Americans think of Canada as this progressive place. And yet the people are not necessarily as progressive as our government. And I've always thought that way about the Dutch. I always thought they were really progressive and cosmopolitan. And their uh, prime minister was like Trudeau 2.0. And, uh, but the people are very different than their government. I think this is a good reminder to us that you know while the government does things, the people often think a completely different way. Yeah, absolutely. I noticed that too. These Dutch, the the, um, the Dutch actually love freedom. They were talking to me, and that they, and I, they were so upset that I explained to them that the United States is really not in a good place right now. We are really the symbol of freedom across the world, and we're losing that. So to see the Dutch fight back against the government when the United States won't, it was very eye opening to me, and it made it made me realize that the people in the United States are really out of touch with the rest of the world. And we actually do have that rap um, in other countries. So rings true. Yeah, it does. Now I I, uh, wanted to ask you a a couple more questions and one of them just escaped my mind. Um, When are you headed back? Tomorrow. You've been on a, a whirlwind of a trip. Like you guys have been, yes. I know, because I, I call you guys and wake you up very, very early in the morning. Yeah. Early in the morning for me too. Um, just tell us what your day looks like when you're out there. Like, what, So people can really understand just how hard you're working to tell the other side of the story. Right. So I think I'm on two hours of sleep right now. I think the night before I got three. So we are working constantly and... These um, protests, they are not in one central location. They're scattered throughout the entire country. So we wake up about 
6.30, we're in the car, we drive to our destination, we are communicating with, I'm calling them a handler, but it's a another Dutch journalist who's amazing, who um, pals around with us and translate, um, is our translator, because a lot of these people don't speak English, so that makes it hard in itself to get interviews with farmers that are actually able to speak to us, so... We wake up, we go to a location, we figure out what's going on, if there is going to be a convoy, if there's going to be a demonstration somewhere, if there's going to be a blockade, or if we're going to The Hague for a protest. We do multiple demonstrations a day because it's not very organized right now. Every group has their own leader, but from what we have heard is that they will be convening together at some point. It's just not set in stone. So it's still kind of a waiting game. But I'll tell you this, the farmers, they are not letting up anytime soon. Everyone I've spoke to has said that they are in this fight until they win. And they have said they have called for war. They have said that I, I've asked them what kind of other demonstrations that they have done before we made it to the ground. And one guy said, we even do guerrilla warfare um, in the darkness is what he said, whatever that means. So the, they're in it um, in it to the end because these are their livelihoods. And when you mess with farmers, you mess with the entire country. Yeah, you leave a man with nothing left to lose and don't be surprised when he acts like he has nothing left to lose. Now, I've also noticed, this is the one thing I wanted to ask you about. Maybe it's different there, but on the outside looking in, the usual libels against uh, normal people who protest their moral and intellectual superiors in the government, that's not being levied, those things. They aren't being levied at the Dutch. For example, it's pretty tough to call the Dutch neo-Nazis considering what the Nazis actually did to the Dutch. You know, those right. things that they they call protesters to discredit them. You saw this with the truckers' convoy. They were white supremacist radicals, according right. to Justin Trudeau. But some of those criticisms don't really stick to the Dutch given their history what is it like that on the ground because I'm, I'm not seeing those things that are normally tossed at you know like your january 6th protester your trucker convoy or, you're right i'm not i'm not seeing those things being levied at the dutch i'm not seeing that anywhere and that just goes to show that the farmers have the support from the everyday citizens of the netherlands now, Katie, I should let you go. As I said off the top of the show, you're standing in a field along the side of the road in Holland. And as you said, you're operating on no sleep. I just want to thank you on behalf of the Rebel News team and our viewers for the incredible work that you've done in Holland to tell the other side of the story. Uh, I think the world was really relying on the team there to bring them the news because you just can't trust the mainstream media. Absolutely. And the Dutch have said that too. So mainstream media here is not on their side. So that's why independent journalism is the most important thing. The Dutch farmer seal of approval. Now, folks at home, if you'd like to see more of Katie's work and the rest of the team, Lewis and Lincoln, you can go to farmerrebellion.com. And if you feel inclined to pitch in to cover the cost of their independent journalism, their boots on the ground journalism in Holland, you can do that at that same website, farmerrebellion.com. Thanks so much, Katie. Get some rest. Yes, thank you. Talk to you later. Thanks. Stay with us. Your letters to, well, I guess Ezra, but I'll be reading them up next after the break. Well, this is 
is the portion of the show where Ezra reads your viewer feedback. He used to joke and say that it was the hate mail section of the show, but really we don't get a lot of that. And unlike the mainstream media, we do welcome your feedback. You know, the mainstream media, they're all happy to take your money in the form of a bailout, but boy, they don't want to hear your opinion of them or the bailout for that matter. But uh, we welcome your feedback and, uh, well, also your money too. So (laughs) if you want to send both to us, That's great. Our first letter comes from Jan H.B. Hugo, who says, Canada should give the turbines back. Why punish Germany? Does not look like Ukraine gives a raisin if Germany suffers. Just think out loud. Now, this is in relation to the Canadian government blocking and then returning some natural gas turbines for the production of electricity to Germany. And those were seized as part of the sanctions on Russian energy. Now, this is all very complicated because it is true. German citizens will suffer without these turbines. But at the same time, there's a broader lesson here. And I don't think the powers that be are learning it. And that is that North America must develop a robust natural gas sector through the embrace of fracking, they must liquefy that natural gas and send it to Germany. Because whatever you feel about Russia or the invasion of Ukraine, it was all made possible by the Russian war machine, which is funded through its stranglehold on natural gas in Europe. All of Europe relies on Russia for natural gas and Germany in particular. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, We've got one from Spots. It's a fun name. Why is there a shortage of medical health professionals across Canada? I'm retired, but if I were still working, I would consider a career move. Public service should not require one to forfeit personal rights. You know, so many people in medicine were either fired because of their vaccination status, and many of them had already gotten COVID at the beginning of the pandemic and recovered and thus were naturally immune with a better, more robust immunity than anything any vaccine could give you. But they were thrown out of their jobs because they objected to providing their vaccination status, affirmatively or otherwise, to their employers. And not only do I think this is a problem causing a shortage of qualified medical health professionals in Canada, people who are either fired who just or just decided that I don't want to work in a system that would do this to me. But I think it's going to cause a problem across all of our public institutions, in policing, in government, in the military, in medicine, in academia, even in the bureaucracy, and I'm so often critical of bureaucrats, as you know from my monologue, but all the people that would normally be shuffled into a position of management because when their ethics are tested, they did the hard thing because it was right and not the easy thing, those people, instead of being in positions of management, they're being shown the door. And so what does that mean for the future of our public institutions when the people who were willing to go along to get along are the people in charge? I'm not hopeful. 
Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. Thanks to everybody in the studio in Toronto who took all these video files and turned them into an actual show. Um, we'll see everybody. Well, I guess uh, I think my Dave, my friend David Menzies is hosting the show tomorrow. Thanks for bearing with me. And as the big boss man always says, keep fighting for freedom. This is Juan Mendoza reporting for Rebel News. So with the recent iCloud leak that looks at Hunter Biden and all the actions he's been doing there with his family. So on Sunday, a programmer who worked with Maxi posted a live stream video outlining his intention of dropping Biden's, Hunter Biden's entire hard drive online, along with clues for users to break into the iPhone and iPad backups. He put it on 4chan, which is some sort of website that's basically not very moderated and it's kind of the website of last resort for people who want to get information out there but can't because everything is so completely censored at this point. So even on 4chan, the moderators quickly took these links down, but internet users are already seeding the contents of the backups on torrent sites. Bottom line, this is gonna live online forever. It's not going away. We're here in Miami to talk with the people to see what their thoughts are about the Biden family. So there's like an iCloud leak uh, that came out recently through uh, 4chan and like another laptop leak that came out a few years ago, uh, seeing how uh, Hunter Biden was doing uh, lots of like uh, illegal activity, like uh, looking at him. Um, he was like measuring uh, crack cocaine and like he was engaging in sex with prostitutes and like he has his uh, dad put on his phone as pedo Peter. So uh, what are your thoughts about the Biden family? Um, well, that doesn't <laughs> seem good. Like, that's not, um, yeah, that's not okay. That is something that shouldn't be happening. People need their, like, um, what's it called? Like, their stuff hidden. Like, they need their privacy. And that's not okay to be leaking that information. I think they suck. <laughs> I'm sorry. I Biden doesn't know what he's talking about. And his son is a crook. <laughs> I've heard uh, about controversy with Hunter Biden, but not much about that. I don't know. I can't give out any details. Okay. I've never heard that much about him at all, so no no details about it. Uh, I think they're pretty weird. I mean, I kind of had a little bit of more respect for Biden after what he did with Roe v. Wade, but like now it's just after hearing that, it's just weird, man. Um, I honestly don't get into politics a lot. I do not care. I mean, you can't really change it, even if you want to, so I just try to stay out of it. <laughs> wow, I did not know that. That's crazy. I mean, I'm not really much into politics, but that's that's insane. That's really, that's out of pocket. I, I don't know what to say about honestly. I saw, I looked through the leaks because it's public now. There's some very concerning things like child pornography on it, on Hunter Biden's leaks, which, I mean, it should be looked into, but thoroughly I believe that the most of the reasons people are looking into the family is because, you know, the president. And it's more political, but in this case, I feel people should be looking into it because there's like very concerning things along with what they found. The Biden family, I feel like um, they're lacking a lot of um, connectivity like between themselves and they're lacking a lot of respect and education as a whole. Um, I just, I don't really um, believe in like their family. I feel like it's just a, a fake picture that they put out there. Personally, I'm not a huge fan of Biden. However, he did just release like a press talk about not supporting the whole turnover of Road versus Wave. That kind of made me support him a little bit, but personally, like Biden's not my favorite person.
so not a big fan. You think he's like, like personally, like his family's more like, uh, like not really good people, but you support more like his politics rather than like his. I don't really support his politics a lot, but I think he has some good ideas if he can actually act on them. But that hasn't really been shown personally wise, like how his family is. I don't know much about him, but I do not really like him in office. Yeah, but that's my opinion. Um, I think that this whole thing is shady and someone needs to like, you know, get in get into what they're going um and like figure out what's happening. I mean, that's pretty much it. Yo honestamente yo no me meto ni me entierro en el político porque yo no prefiero ninguno lado que lo otro. Yo creo que Biden es igual el pendejo que es Trump, igual a cualquier otra persona. Yo creo que Si no es nada fijo, si no es ninguna evidencia que puede ser firmemente comprobado, yo no voy a usar eso para decir Ay, que Biden esto y esto y esto. La cosa es también es que eso fue encontrado en 4chan. 4chan es reconocido para un lugar donde extremistas ponen su cosa y después hablan cosas que no es, no es comparable ni es, ni es verdad. Pero al mismo web, yo no estoy diciendo que no es posible. A mí, el hijo de él tenía problemas de droga, ¿no? Pero, Yo, yo no tengo ningún como opinión común. Wait. Is that real? Apparently so. Okay. I'm like trying to pro like what? I don't necessarily have a huge thought on them. Um, I know there's a lot of hate towards them just from the opposing point of view, but personally I I know he's our president, and that's basically it. <laughs> that's all I know. Yeah, I don't follow them, but I have heard some things, but I'll never know if they're true. I just, you know. I think the most I know is um, that, like, in the, he was a, uh, came back from the war, and he was, like, not in a, an honorable or not honorable, whatever, something like that. I don't remember, but that's all I know <laughs> about them. I mean, no sabía que esto estaba pasando, pero yo no creo que eso está correcto. Eso no suena bien. I don't feel like his family defines him as a person and his decisions that like what he you know like the way he controls this country I don't think it has to do with his son or whatever like each person is each is their own you know what I mean but I also like I don't agree 100% with Biden I think there's a lot of things that are wrong with the way he's leading this country you know I feel like he's a puppet I feel like he's not making the decisions on his own like you know someone is He's not, he does, he's not like the best leader, you know, I don't see him like a very, you know, like a good leader, so. Even though I'm like, you know, I'm, I would, you know, I'm democratic, you know, I want someone, I'm more, I'm like a leftist, but I don't really like how Biden has been running everything, so. But I, I don't care whatsoever, like all this gossip about his family and whatever, I don't think that defines who he is or that has to do with anything, like it's, to me, I feel like it's unnecessary. No, not really. I can't say I've really kept up too much with that. Uh, I'm not too aware of the situation, so I can't really speak on it that much, but that sounds pretty crazy. That's, that's pretty crazy, yeah. I don't, I don't know anything about that. Yeah. Same, <laughs> same, 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 same reaction. Yeah, same, yeah, same reaction. Yeah, yeah. That's just like insane. Yeah, we didn't know about that. It sounds like my type of guy. Do you feel like the Biden administration, they're like representing the people in the country uh, pretty well? or? Um, can I put no comment? Um, no thoughts. No opinions, no. Nothing. Some, maybe. Definitely not all. Me, personally, eh, there's good and bad. I wouldn't say I'm a supporter, but there's a few things they've done that I liked. Some people didn't like Biden, 
even if they were Democrats and others had no clue.